everything fell on the concrete that surrounded. So I thought it would be nice to um, put a doily on it, say. Make it the concrete base all white too so it matches. Anthony Manella and his team are hard at work restoring a unique Catskills landmark. On this episode of CatsCast, Brunel Park, home of Boyceville's iconic totems. Stay tuned. This episode is sponsored by another Catskills landmark, Hanford Mills Museum. Explore the power of the past as you watch the water wheel bring a working sawmill to life. Bring a picnic to enjoy by the mill pond. For more information about scheduling a tour or about their exploration days, visit hanfordmills.org or call 607-278-5744. If you haven't been, we highly recommend it. And for a good read, we also recommend Briars and Brambles Books, the go-to independent book and gift store in the Catskills, located in Wyndham, New York, right next to the pharmacy, just steps away from the Wyndham path. Open daily. For more information, visit briarsandbramblesbooks.com or call 518-750-8599. If you've ever driven west on State Route 28 through Boyceville, New York, you've likely spotted several totem poles off to the right. To find out who put them there, when, and why, we met up with Cynthia Nikitin, steward of the Brunel Sculpture Garden. So Emile Brunel uh, bought this land in 1921. He owned 77 acres here in Boyceville. And um, he started creating these sculptures probably back in 1929 after a very successful career as a portrait photographer and as founder of what is now known as the New York Institute of Photography. And he moved up to Boyceville full time and he started building these monumental sculptures out of concrete. Um, as homage and in honor of the native peoples and indigenous communities that used to be located here. And he did it basically for his own amusement. As far as we know, he was a self-taught sculptor because his profession was as a photographer. The oldest one is the statue of the territory, the Brunel totem we call it, in the front of the log cabin, which was completed in 1929. Uh, the other 12 uh, sculptures and totems and statues in the collection at Brunel Park, uh, were completed between 1929 and 1941, and then he passed away in 1944. Brunel's appreciation for Native American culture extended to a popular hotel that once occupied the property. The resort came first, yeah. Um, Emile Brunel bought the Browns Hotel shortly after he purchased the land here and turned that into a resort called Le Chalet Indienne. It really had its heyday in the 30s and 40s, but it actually continued to exist into the early 1960s. The sculptures, though, were sort of on his studio residence land, on his private land, and the resort um, was a little bit further back, tucked into the woods and on what is now Brunel Drive. You know, whether the totems were here to sort of attract people, that might have been part of it. Our National Register of Historic Places designation is as a roadside attraction. But obviously guests, you know, enjoyed being here. And we have some wonderful archival photography of some of the visitors to this place. Including famous visitors like Madame Wellington Koo, Chinese Indonesian socialite. And in 1926 to 27, the first lady of the Republic of China. She helped found the League of Nations. Fellow artists and architects stayed here too including Sidney and Harriet Janis, 
and the Austrian architect Frederick Kiesler, who summered here in the 1930s and 40s. Back then, Brunel's sculptures may have been in their prime, but time has taken its toll. They're almost 100 years old, and we learned recently that concrete lasts about 100 years. So we just knew it was time to take care of these, these sculptures, which are really iconic features, uh, very unusual sort of landmarks for the Catskills and the town of Olive. There are a number of totem poles that he created that have animistic features and human features as well as figurative sculptures of Native American figures, as well as the totem, which is sort of a, the stella is a tribute to, basically to religion, to the religions of non-indigenous people and sort of their alter egos. And also this is a place that really does celebrate Native American tradition and history and life ways. Now he was French. Yes, he was. And so, what can you say about someone who, not only was he not Native American, he wasn't American, coming in and creating these things. They're more of an homage to Native Americans than something that comes out of someone's own culture and belief system? That, that's correct, Brett. Yes, they were very much an homage and an honoring of indigenous people. This was sort of a, a, a blow against erasure. He was making sure that generations knew that these were the lands of the Esopus, the Munse, the Lene, Lenape, who were forcibly exiled. And he didn't want people, you know, forgetting that. But, you know, like many French artists that were enamored of exotic places and exotic cultures and used them as subject matter, you know, in their artwork, um, he was sort of, I think, of that, of that mindset. What has been the response since you've been the steward of this property by Native American visitors? Yeah, that's, that's a wonderful question. Um, and that's something that we've been very cognizant of and very careful to kind of not overstep, you know, our, our boundaries here. And we have been uh, welcomed by members of the indigenous Native community. We have an indigenous educator and artist and musician and healer on our board, Donna Kahan, who is the a lead drummer with Spirit of Thunderheart, and we've had ceremonies here, we've had solstice ceremonies. Donna and her son built a women's moon lodge on the land. So we are really trying to sort of re-indigenize the land, working with colleagues and friends and partners in the indigenous community to sort of guide us and lead us in the best way to do that. In a moment, we'll check in with Anthony Manella, who's leading the effort to restore Emile Brunel's sculptures. But first, we want to thank everyone who voted in this year's Chronogrammys to crown CatsCast Best Regional Podcast two years in a row. We hope you'll tell your friends about us, and if you could give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen, that really helps new listeners find us too. Thank you. Thanks also to the Catskill Mountains Scenic Byway, which will take you right to Brunel Park and Sculpture Garden. The 52-mile Catskill Mountains Scenic Byway follows New York State Route 28 through the heart of the central Catskills. For maps, itineraries, and links to area restaurants, shops, and accommodations, visit scenickatskills.com. Back in Boyceville, Mason Anthony Manella spoke about his own introduction to the statues, assessing their condition, 
and steps he and his crew have taken to restore them. I didn't realize how much uh, they had already been like patched over here and there over the years, right? So started with like wire wheels because I'm trying to get to the, something that's a good substrate to work on, but yet preserve the integrity of the original structure. The wire wheels, we were burning through them, then sanding discs and, and uh, diamond blades, and then I, I sandblasted with a, a, a small sandblaster, I figure I could put it on a scaffold. It was very tediously slow. So then I was like, well, I know what to do. So I rented a commercial air compressor and a large sandblaster, and that went a lot quicker, and it, it, it wasn't you know, damaging nothing. And yeah, we took it down to the, the bare stuff and there's all different kinds of wire, um, wire mesh, hardware cloth, nails, rebar, ornamental twisted wrought iron, you know. Uh, it was whatever he had around, you know. Uh, he, he was making it up whatever his heart felt, I guess. And, um, you know, we're talking there, and it's funny, the, the guy was the head of the photography, he started the new, right? And you would think he'd have more pictures, but I, I kind of understand, because I, unless I have to, I don't take a lot of pictures of my work. But in this situation, one of the, the goals was to detail the progress before and after and what we came upon, you know, so I, I took pictures when I originally met Cynthia, walking around, you know, and then as we started working on it, I took pictures of damage and and also to have coloration that was on the original totem. Now, Cynthia supplied me with analysis that was done. A conservator came here, did the field work, you know, circled the cracks. Actually, from the water damage that was coming through, it was turning the concrete into calcite, which is what you see when you go to, uh, like, Howell Cavern, all right? The calcium deposits were dripping out of the statue, and they were forming stalactites and stalagmites. Off of the beards was a stalactite, and on the bottom there looked like two little fried eggs, you know, because they were starting to build up with the calcium, and then there were cracks in the statue, or the, like a leg would be shiny, and that's because it had that calcium on it. We had to remove all that. Then I talked to the conservator, and I talked to the laboratory that did analysis on what was used in it. Now, I pretty much go old school with my mortar anyway, uh, like simple Portland sand and lime, and that's what he used. We used metal lath, and different thicknesses of fiberglass mesh, all right? And so if there was cracks in it, we didn't just smear stuff over a crack. We filled in the crack and then put the fiberglass grid on it. And it's very thin, so as not to have it, you know, and then go over it with, an, with the uh, hydraulic cement. Then we put a stucco mix that's uh, whiter in color, and then we put a bright white, two coats of Theraseal, so that we keep the outside elements out. A lot of these statues, uh, to varying degrees, are kind of hollow in the middle, as far as he put a wire cage with loose rocks, and then he put the wire around it, and then the cement. 
Uh, so in some spots, there may be only three or four inches thick. The day I visited, Anthony's crew was spraying on a final coat of stucco and sealer. And while most of the sculptures will stay bright white in keeping with historical records, the centerpiece totem at the entrance of the park will get color, also in keeping with its former self. There are 14 sculptural features. Two of them are bas-reliefs, so there are 12 uh, three-dimensional forms. And um, Anthony and his team are focusing on the ones that are taller than we are. Um, so it's, yeah, it's- Six or seven? I would say six yeah. or seven. And then there'll be a few that my husband and I are gonna tackle after he retires, based on what Anthony tells us to do. <laughs> the dying of the concrete, uh, the cement, it's not concrete, concrete has rocks. We're gonna use brown, uh, red for the lips, black for the eyes and the hair. Red's also gonna be for the headband. My husband and I, Eugene, have sort of cleaned and repainted a number of these sculptures about 10 years ago using a, a silica-based paint, which we thought would last. But we did not have a power washer, and so the paint did not really adhere to the surface the way that we'd hoped to. And we never touched the, the Stella in the front, the Brunel totem. And Anthony says, I don't want to, that's the money shot, he says. I want to learn from these other sculptures. I want to not practice, but I want to do work on the other ones and learn about, you know, what kind of what kind of materials to use, the grit for the sandblaster, you know, how they how they take pressure washing. I don't want to learn on the first one, on the one in the front. So he spent time working on the other sculptures that we didn't even realize he was going to be able to do that. So that was a bonus to really kind of get his chops down and feel comfortable with it so that he could move ahead and, and um, have all the best practices and knowledge that he can to address the sculpture that most people see and remember. When you're doing renovations, say on an old house, right? You know, you start taking stuff apart and then it's like, oh, we're gonna replace this window. First window takes you like two and a half hours, you know, but there's 16 windows. By the time you get to the end, you're doing them in a half an hour, right? Because you've already learned everything. So it was building up momentum. What do we do here? Oh, I know what to do with that now because we did it over there, you know? And uh, now we got a system, it's going along good. And uh, we apply the sealer on it and then go over it with brushes so it, as not to fill in the details that were sculpted into the, the cement. And then you gotta cross your fingers that Mother Nature doesn't come here and laugh at me. You know, but it, yeah. We started our nonprofit about four years ago, and we've had a number of um, fundraisers to raise money for this. We're currently fundraising for it now on our on our website, brunelpark.org/support. So we kind of used the, the funds that we have sort of saved and collected over the years to fund it. And then um, my husband and I are sort of underwriting. Of the rest of it, but we continue to fundraise. It's not every day, you know, like I do a foundation. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I did a foundation today, like, you know, but uh, I think in life, everything you do, no matter how mundane it might seem, leads to something that maybe helps you out down the road. My experience has been why I felt comfortable in doing this. You know, and and, uh, and Cynthia's just been wonderful, and I'm glad that she entrusted me with this uh, precious uh, project. 
20 years from now, I could, you know, if I'm still around, I'll be like, you know, I, I worked on those sculptures up there. And the funny thing is, I, I lived in Sorgatties most of my life, and now I moved to Greene County, but I driven by this totem about hundreds of times, right? But then, I, you know, I was born in Brooklyn, and I never walked up the Statue of Liberty either, right? That's just the way it is. Right? So I, I'm just like, if I didn't have the job here, I never would have. I, I never knew these were up on the hill. And I, I think they're a hidden wonder that more people should uh, come and check out. And I've been trying to uh, illuminate people on social media that I know. Say, look, this is what I'm doing. And pitching. everybody's like, oh, my God, I got to go there. So that's we're hoping that with, with your help, too, that more people come and enjoy this natural uh, and man-made wonder that you pass by it all the time, you know? We're hoping that seeing the restoration and transformation of the totem in the, the Brunel totem will sort of entice people to come in and, and sort of send the message that this is no longer sort of like a delightful ruin, though there was a lot of charm to that, um, but that this, the sculptures have sort of been reborn and taken on new life and hopefully that will intrigue people enough to kind of to want to come in and to donate to uh, we are always open to people that want to do a, an event here a lecture a workshop a concert a poetry reading we want the space to be used and enjoyed by the public and um, we just think that you know bringing the sculptures back to life is a, is a wonderful way of sort of sending out a welcoming invitation to the community to join us here. If the restoration doesn't bring people in, I suggested we throw uh, one of them spike strips across the road so the cars get flats and then they gotta stop. But uh, nobody's really picking up on that. I will change the tire for free, donate $100. <laughs> I love the way your mind works, Anthony. I really do. Don't make Anthony resort to spike strips to make you stop. Just plan a visit and experience Brunel's refurbished sculpture garden for yourself. Get involved, make a donation, and check out a list of upcoming events at brunelpark.org. CatsCast is a production of Silver Hollow Audio. You can find out more about us at catscast.com. I'm Brett Barry. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>